This episode of Wheat Pete's Word is brought to you by DeKalb Seed from Bayer, the name you trust. For the 2023 season, there's an incredible 13 new corn hybrids, 9 new silage-ready hybrids, and 7 new soybean varieties. Good day, and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on Real Agriculture for Wednesday, December the 14th. On this episode of The Word, some really amazing and positive and cooperative messages we're going to start with. I just, I can't be more excited. Then I will get to as many farmer questions as I can. I will talk a bit about nitrogen. So many questions coming in about UAN versus urea and this whole price differential. We'll do that for sure and as many other things as I can get to before I once again run out of time at the end. I will next week perhaps wax a little philosophical about cover crops and organic matter and and where that whole process is going. There's a great discussion going on in t- on Twitter right now. It's a super thought process. I would appreciate if you had some feedback. You know, make it make it wheat Pete's Christmas present. Uh, make somebody else's Christmas present wheat Pete's fifteen. Don't forget about that. I haven't talked about that in a long time. But Megs Reynolds t- talking about mental health again on Twitter, and it, it is such a big component of what we do so it's going to be christmas time soon wheat pete's 15 pick up the phone spend 15 minutes talk to somebody you haven't talked to in a long time because i I do think that is important but i would like a little you know wheat pete's christmas present is tell them if you like the preamble where i talk about what i've heard or i wax a little philosophical do you like that on the word you want me just to be a hundred percent production because i could do that as well if that's actually what you would like all right let's go before i get in underway i do want to talk about awesome opportunities out there so the ontario ag conference by the way you missed the in-person registration you want to rub shoulders and sean haney the owner of real ag and i had a great discussion about this I really like the in-person component, being able to discuss things in the hallway. It's really where a lot of the learning happens. But Ontario Ag Conference, still certainly virtual registration, 53 sessions until March 31st. What an opportunity. Also, Grey Bruce Farmers Week, super sessions there. Every day is a different subject area. The last day is Crops Day. I'll be speaking at that one. As we speak, I am in Manitoba at the Manitoba Ag Conference across North America. America. There's all these wonderful learning opportunities. Get out, sign up, register, participate. Uh, hopefully, even if you listen to Wheat Pete's word, that's a little bit of, of education as well. Incredibly one-sided education because it's Hall Johnson's thoughts. But nonetheless, yeah, hopefully it is a little bit of education. Okay, I want to move on and I want to talk about Jack Bobo. Now, Jack Bobo is from the Nature Conservancy. So think about that. So it's, that's really a a tree-hugger mentality, if you will, or you would think that, he gave a keynote presentation at Grow Canada. It is just an amazing presentation. I didn't hear it, but I got to hear the interview that Sean Haney did with him on Real Agriculture Radio, and we're going to link it in the post if you can at all listen to it, because it's got so many positives. And so one of the things Jack says is that agriculture is good and getting better. Like, it's just so many ways that we are getting better. If you look at the differences between 1980 and 2011, the cost of a bushel of corn, we are 35% less emissions, 
40% less land, 40% less energy, 50% less water, 60% less erosion. And so like, farmers want to do better, and they are doing better. Like We are get good and getting better. However, we're not getting better fast enough because there's still 800,000 kids that go hungry every night. So, yep, it's really cool... To, to think about it that way, we're so good and we're getting better, but we just can have to continue to do that because 70% of the water, fresh water on, on the planet Earth goes towards agriculture, 40% of the land. So farming, his quote was, farming is wildly better today than it was 30 years ago. Wildly better. And by the way, it will be wildly better in 30 years from now, when we get to 2052 or 2053, we won't even recognize agriculture. It will be that much better, but we, we simply need to be that much better. And he, actually, one of the cool things he talked about was that this next 28 years, 30 years, are the most important years that have ever happened on planet Earth because the population is building, but by 2050 the population is going to start to shrink. That's, that's what the statistics look like. There's less and less countries where population is building. More countries like Canada where actually, if we didn't have immigration, our population would be shrinking. So we're going to hit kind of peak population. That's the population we have to produce food for. After that, if we can get to that and not destroy the planet, then dang it. We should be good for the rest because the population will slowly decline, maybe not a whole lot, but, but we've hit that, that balancing point. The other thing that he talked to, and this is so important, he says that farmers talk about good management practices. Environmentalists talk about sustainability. It's the same thing. We have this tremendous propensity to, to feel like we are Butting heads, that you know, those tree huggers, dang, they just drive me crazy because they don't understand. And the tree huggers say, the farmers are destroying the world. This, we're talking about the same thing. We're using different words. We all want the same outcome and that we just need to de-escalate the tension. Those are Jack's words. De-escalate the tension between those two groups. Words matter. And you really need to listen to each other and respect each other's opinion and have the discussion. But listen to that discussion if you can at all. If you can't listen to it because you're, you're not a, a, a computer person, fair enough. I hope I've given you the, the nuts and bolts of it. But wow, uh, I would like to get a copy of the script of that presentation because it just has so much cool stuff and so much like work together and and things are not that bad, but we still got to do a lot better than what we're doing. It's just very, very cool. Okay, I am going to move on and get on to actual agronomics. So first up is nitrogen. And I can't tell you how many people, I mean, Kennedy, uh, the mayor of Middlesex, uh, Matt, oh, it's just uh, probably 20 people, even though I've talked about nitrogen before, just keep coming back and saying, Peter, come on, like, explain this to me. So here we go. Yes, 
UAN, 28%, 32%, urea ammonium nitrate solution, call it what you will, is way more expensive than urea. Fair enough. Uh, some people saying it's 30 to 40% more. Some people saying it's 25% more. A few people finding a little bit out there at, at maybe less than that. But it's, it's really, really expensive. Check with your supplier because everyone is going to be different. But at the end of the day, we kind of step back and say, okay, do I use urea? I've been on, I mean, 28% has been a really kind of big component of Ontario agriculture. I think a bigger component here than in many other jurisdictions. And that's because it really has a nice fit with the way that we farm. But if it's going to be 25%, 30% more expensive, then we're all going to go to urea, right? Not quite. So with urea, all of your corn nitrogen can be urea. Now remember, urea is a lot more, twice as much in fact, Urea is twice as susceptible to volatilization losses than 28% or than UAN is because it's the urea component that is 100% susceptible to volatilizations. That's where it gasses off into the atmosphere. It's not a greenhouse gas. It's a smog component. But it's that 100% of urea has that risk. Only 50% of urea ammonium nitrate solution does because it's 50% urea. That just makes perfect sense. And the ammonium and the nitrate, they're already past that volatilization issue. So if you go to all urea and you spread it on the surface, you're going to have to stabilize it. And stabilizer does cost some extra money. So there is that trade-off there. If you work it in, do a good job of incorporation, then no worries. So on corn... I really think we go to 100% urea. It's too bad because I do like the options that 28% gives us, but we can't afford it. It's all urea. On wheat, it's a totally different situation because corn, we can go to all urea because it's in 30-inch rows or 20-inch rows. It's in wide rows, and nitrogen moves with water. So if the spread pattern isn't perfect... Yeah, there's enough water goes in that 30-inch band at that corn or 20-inch band that the corn is pulling from that it's going to pull enough of that nitrogen. The chances of having poor nitrogen spread to that point where you can't get enough out of that 30-inch wide zone around the corn plant are pretty slim. Wheat, seven and a half inch rows. Man, we've seen it so many times. If you don't do the perfect job of spread, you get beat up bad. So even when you do the perfect job job of spreading urea on the wheat crop, there is still a 2.5 bushel per acre yield advantage to 28% nitrogen, UAN solution, whatever, on the wheat crop. And that's because when you put that on the wheat crop, it's immediately available. The ammonium portion, the nitrate portion is immediately available. The wheat crop can get it and get going. And we've talked about how important that is. The yen, the yield enhancement network in the UK, that's one of their recipes for success. Why one grower outperforms another grower by 27%. It's 27% the grower that makes the difference. Well, you get out there early, you get that wheat crop growing fast and then you keep it growing fast, and 28% will do that because it's immediately available. Half of the nitrogen is urea. It takes some time. It gets there, but it simply takes some time. And Gord, by the way, Gord asking, should I join the yen? Yes, 
the Yen in Ontario, run by grain farmers and Ministry of Agriculture and Food, University of Guelph, collaborative effort also with Michigan, uh, the Michigan Wheat Growers and Michigan State University. Really cool program. I don't care if you're not the highest yielding wheat grower. You will learn so much if you have an interest in trying to do better. Sign up for the Yen. It'll cost you 250 bucks. be some of the best money you ever spent. But on that note, so even when we do it perfectly, 28% is two and a half bushels better. And these are trials that Shane and I did, my awesome technician. We had a 20-foot wide Valmar airflow. We kept the pipes clean. The, the nozzle distribution nozzles are close together. There's no way you could do a better job. And we still consistently found two and a half bushel per acre yield increase to 28%. And that's the perfect job. If you don't do the perfect job, you can easily, we've seen in trials, losing 20 bushels per acre. If you have powder or fines in that urea, if you're using an airflow and there's humidity in the air and the tubes start to plug up or you get some buildup on the deflectors, your pattern can go all to heck. And I've been involved in court cases where it was well above 20 bushels per acre when that happens. Do the perfect job, two and a half. Don't do a perfect job. It gets worse than that. Brent actually saying he ran a liquid terrigator for lots of years. And he says, man, the wheat behind the liquid terrigator always looked better because you always got it into the crop fast and you didn't have to worry about that poor spread. So on the wheat crop, I really do think that we need at least the at least half or the major shot of nitrogen, that late April nitrogen depends on your, your program, but dang it, a big chunk of that nitrogen needs to be 28% just to get those benefits and make sure we don't give up some yield. Okay, I want to move on. Tony asking, hey, Peter, the kids are home. Christmas time. Uh, we got lots of ash trees to clean up out of the fence rows. And this is, I, I love trees and I know my good friend Rob is going to just, uh, Cohen, you'll just have to close, or, you know, cover Rob's ears because Rob hates trees. But I love trees, but you got to manage the fence rows. So whether you buy a mechanical thing that cuts back the, the tree branches or whatever, uh, one way or another, windbreaks can be a good thing if they're managed. So Tony wants to get out there and cut the dead ash trees out. He's got uh, emerald ash borer wiping out the ash trees. The kids are home from school. He's calling it semi-forced labor. Ah, I got to use that one on my kids because I made them do lots of stuff too. Semi-forced labor. But the safe time to drive on the wheat, because he says, my wheat crop looks awesome. I do not want to ruin it. I know snowmobile trails, sometimes the wheat will be dead under the snowmobile trails. By the way, sometimes the wheat is fine under the snowmobile trail. The, The bottom line is this. If you're driving on the wheat and there's enough snow there that you're packing the snow down and taking the insulating value out of the snow and then it can turn to ice and under the ice the wheat will really get damaged, don't do it. If it's below about minus 12, the wheat leaves will get so frozen, even though they tolerate it, they get the ice crystals and you drive on that wheat and we have seen that you can see those tracks long into the spring. But if it's minus five and the ground is frozen and there's no snow, Tony, it's safe to drive on that wheat. You you should not hurt it at all. Mark McFall tweeting out an amazing picture of 100 pounds of map with the wheat seed versus nothing. And the difference is grow, in growth is just blow your mind. Oh, we've been down this road so many times. You just... 
it's one of those things that it doesn't work 100% of the time. I've done lots of trials, and I know I once said on, on the word, I once said it's never not had a benefit, and one of my cooperators, Moses, immediately sent me an email saying, hey, wait a minute, it didn't work one year on my farm. Eh, fair enough, Moses, so nothing works 100% of the time. But wow, that is, that is a really amazing difference. Brett saying, okay, Peter, so I had alfalfa last year. Uh, we, we worked it down. We planted first-year corn. We, it should have been 200-bushel corn. Ah, we, we worked it in the spring. We dried it out, and then we had drought till August, and it ended up being pretty disappointing corn. How much punch is left still? Like that, there should still be lots of nitrogen left from that alfalfa crop, right? And so I can grow second-year corn and cut back my nitrogen rate. No, sorry, Brett. Even though you had a poor corn crop, the nitrogen in that alfalfa probably released when the rains came in August. You've lost the majority of that nitrogen. You might still have 30-pound credit there, but it's just not going to be as good as what you, you hoped it would be. And Garrett saying, hey, Peter, corn silage. We took corn silage off. I planted a barley cover crop. And now we've decided, boy, we'd like to grow more oats. Just the way our rotation is, it fits in well. But I got barley planted as a cover crop in that corn silage. Can I still plant oats? Actually, Garrett, the barley's not your problem. The, what's the problem in that situation is the corn silage. Because oats can get fusarium just the same way that wheat can get it or that corn can get gibberella, of course, or barley can get it. All of those crops get fusarium. And so those corn stalks, nah, you, you do have a little bit of risk from fusarium. Uh, we rarely worry about fusarium in oat crop, but the barley, no, barley and oats are, are just genetically different enough. Don't worry about it. Grow the oats, and they should turn out just absolutely awesome. And with that, I am not at 19 minutes, but I think I'm going to be a little bit shorter this week. And so that's it. That's all on behalf of the team here at Real Agriculture. This is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, December the 14th. Hey, keep the messages, the feedback coming. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. And one or another, I'll be back next week and probably talk too much yet again. See you then. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Wheat Pete's Word podcast. Check out the 2023 lineup of new DeKalb corn hybrids and soybean varieties. Find the one that's best for the unique growing conditions on your farm. DeKalb, a seed for every field, a seed for every season.